Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello and good morning, faithful listener. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And since today is a lovely Tuesday morning, we're going to be talking about Luke chapter 22, because don't forget, guys, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a New Testament episode. And it's kind of funny because we're going to talk about why the New Testament is called the New Testament today. (laughs) So yeah, grab your Bible and your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. I actually, um, I'm going to rabbit trail here for a second. I had a Listener of the podcast approached me recently. She goes to my church. She's so cute. I love her. And she gave me tea. It's jasmine green tea. She gave me some tea and she's like, you have to try this tea. You're going to like it. (laughs) And I was like, thank you so much. And I, I have to say, I have not tried that tea yet. But when I do, I will let you guys know if I like it or not. And I'll be honest. I will be honest if I like the tea or not. (laughs) But okay, grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. Feel free to pause the podcast if you need to to grab those items and just sit back and relax as we read Luke 22 verses 13 through 30 today. And I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as I always do. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the New Covenant, the New Testament, and the Passover. So stay tuned. The disciples went and found things as Jesus had told them and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will no longer by any means eat of it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. He received a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, I will not drink at all again from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom comes. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. The Son of Man indeed goes, as it has been determined. But woe to that man through whom he is betrayed. They began to question among themselves which one of them it was who would do this thing. A dispute also rose among them, which of them was considered to be the greatest. He said to them, The kings of the nations lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. But one who is greater among you, let him become as younger, and one who is governing as him who serves. For who is greater, one who sits at the table, or one who serves? Isn't it he who sits at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials." I confer on you a kingdom, even as my father conferred on me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, let's talk about the Passover again. (laughs) We've talked about the Passover a lot because we've discussed it a handful of times in the Old Testament already, not to mention the other two times from the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, where we talked about the Passover supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And I think in those episodes, those ones are really good to go back and listen to, actually, because I discussed, I think in the one in Mark, whether or not the wine and the bread were actually Jesus's body and blood. (laughs) Because some denominations believe that when you partake of communion, you're truly 
basically eating Jesus's flesh and blood. And I, I believe that is still a common practice with Catholicism. So I discussed that in the one that I did in Mark. Maybe I can find that episode and link it in the description here. But basically, Passover was the most important day on the Jewish calendar and kind of still is. In Jesus's day and even nowadays by Orthodox Jews, Passover would take weeks of preparation and houses would be scrubbed clean from top to bottom to make sure that no yeast was found like in any nook or cranny. (laughs) I mean, that's because yeast symbolized sin. And so the complete removal of the yeast from the house was symbolic of like removing your sin from that house for the preparation of Passover. So food with no yeast also would be made for Passover. And that is biblical. God actually told the people to um, make sure to eat food for that entire week without yeast in it. Because once again, yeast is a representation of sin. So that is why God says to refrain from eating food with yeast in it. And also somber hymns would be sung and scriptures would be read. Basically, Passover just had a bunch of traditions and symbolisms associated with it. And it very much still does because it's the holiday of remembrance. And what's it remembering? It is remembering when God brought his people out of Egypt miraculously. Passover is the remembering of the angel of death and how it passed over the Israelite people and rather struck the Egyptians that refused to listen to the words of Moses. So we see now that Jesus is eating this last supper, this last Passover dinner with his disciples. And it's, it's called the last supper because it's the last supper that Jesus takes with his disciples that we know of. So, um, or at least before his death. So in verse 15 here, it says, he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will no longer by any means eat of it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. So Jesus is passionate about having this last supper with his disciples because Jesus knew he was going to die. I mean, that's so clear with everything we read already. And even into this passage more, we see that Jesus knows he is about to suffer. He knows he is about to die. So because of that, he is creating this new covenant. A covenant means a promise. In fact, in verse 20, he calls the wine a new covenant. And when Jesus said this, when he called the wine a new covenant, Jesus was giving a direct correlation to Jeremiah 31, verse 31. And so I'm going to read that verse for you. It says, Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, right? The, the first covenant, which covenant of mine they broke, although I was a husband to them, says Yahweh. But this is the covenant that I'm going to make with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahweh. I will put my law in their inward parts and I will write it in their heart. I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will no longer each teach his neighbor and every man teach his brother saying, no Yahweh, for they will all know me from their least to their greatest, says Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. So in other words, when Jesus calls this wine, the new covenant, he is promising forgiveness to the entire world through his death. That's what the new covenant is. It's a promise that people now have forgiveness 
due to Jesus's blood. And the symbolism of all of this is just absolutely beautiful. And that's why we still celebrate um, communion to this day in the churches. We are symbolically remembering the covenant Jesus made with us, the new covenant that you and I have been placed under. So that's why the old covenant has been fulfilled. That's why we don't have to follow a lot of those laws that we've been discussing in the Old Testament episodes. We are under grace, not the old law. We are under God's grace. This is the period of grace that God has extended to us and has given us. And anybody that accepts that grace and anybody that accepts that forgiveness that Jesus shows through his death and, and through the uh, new covenant can have a relationship with God without having to perfectly follow the law in order to gain forgiveness. Because God knows how, uh, <laughs> how human we are and how bad we are at following rules and at following laws. And one of the reasons the Old Testament law existed, I should mention this, is to show us how much we need grace, basically. And that's that's pretty much what Paul pens later on is the point of the law, like as good and as wonderful and as beautiful as the Old Testament law was, it really shows us our downfalls. It shows us how cruddy of human beings we are <laughs> and how much we need a savior because we just can't do it on our own. And really, that's uh, that's what the Old Testament law sums up to. And it was necessary in order for the new covenant to exist because without the Old Testament law, and if say Jesus just came down from the very beginning of time, right after Adam and Eve ate the fruit and the world was plunged into sin, we would be awful. <laughs> we would be terrible, horrible human beings because we wouldn't understand where we're falling short. So that is why it lined up perfectly for Jesus to come when he did so that we did have an understanding of God's laws, God's goodness, God's mercy, how bad we are at following those laws. <laughs> so, yeah. And by the way, what I just read, I don't know if you even know that I read something. I was reading out of my Alive Adult Coloring Devotional that I published back in 2020. So if you would like to grab a copy of that devotional that I just read a snippet out of, then go over to Amazon. I'm going to drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode. But moving forward here, it says here that likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying that this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is on the table. So right after Jesus does this whole brand new ceremony that the disciples are probably so clueless, they're probably just like, what is Jesus doing? This isn't the words to the Psalms that we're supposed to be reading. Because, <laughs> you know, during Passover, they would have specific prayers and uh, verses and scriptures that they would read and sayings that they would do. And Jesus, uh, it sounds like maybe he did some of them, but he went off script and started talking about the new covenant. And probably the disciples are just sitting there like, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the disciples didn't get any of this because, I mean, right after all of this new covenant and stuff, they start arguing with each other, which I just found so comical. Like, that's so human, isn't it? Like, the disciples are just like the manifestation of humanity. Okay, so it says uh, Jesus basically describes that 
the person who's going to betray him is sitting at the table with them. He says, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. And I should mention that when I did a previous episode about the Last Supper, I think that it was the Mark 1, Mark 14, 22 through 31, which I am linking in the bio of this podcast episode. I mentioned that Judas was not there for the communion service. However, this verse here actually makes me wonder if I was wrong, because possibly Judas was there for communion. I don't know now. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was. This kind of changes my perspective on things a little bit. And I just wanted to throw that out there that I don't know if Judas was here for communion now or not. Passover was a almost like a community type of event where a bunch of people would dip into the same dipping bowls and stuff. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, obviously. So Jesus says, the guy that's going to betray me is sitting right here at this table. One of my closest disciples, one of my closest friends is here. One of my closest disciples is going to betray me. And this is the verse that I really appreciate. Verse 22 here. It says, the son of man indeed goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man through whom he is betrayed. And that verse right there goes to show that Judas is, in fact, a scuzz. Like I said a couple episodes ago, I talked about how Judas was a scuzz. And, uh, you know, people like to give Judas credit almost for like starting the Christian movement, which I just find absolutely absurd because Jesus was going to die either way. Jesus was the start of the Christian movement. Let's be honest. I mean, John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus to come and solidify like Christianity and, and uh, you know, forgiveness, the belief in Jesus, right? Judas had nothing to do with it because here's what Jesus says. The son of man is going to die, right? The son of man indeed goes as it has been determined. It was determined long ago that Jesus was going to come down to earth, willingly come down to earth, by the way, and die for our sins. But <laughs> then Jesus says, woe to that man through whom he is betrayed. So Judas, really his only part in all of this was the fact that he was the one who was going to betray Jesus. But one way or the other, Jesus was coming down for the start of the new covenant, for the new covenant. He was coming down to give forgiveness to the people. It was determined long before. And it was going to happen either way. It just happened to be Judas was the one who was going to betray Jesus. And so Jesus says, woe to that man through whom the Son of Man is betrayed. So that is why I personally believe that Judas does not have forgiveness. I have heard of different sects of Christianity that do believe that Judas was forgiven and that he did end up going to heaven. I have a hard time, a very hard time believing that. And in fact, I just don't, I flat out don't believe that. Because why would Jesus say, woe to the man who is going to betray me? Woe is not a good thing. <laughs> that basically means like danger, danger to the one who is going to betray me. So yeah, that's that's personally my my thought process on everything regarding Judas. So after this, the disciples hear what Jesus says and they begin to question each other who would do this thing. And that begins to spiral out of control. <laughs> and then they start having this argument again of how Oh, I'm the greatest. I'm better than you. I would never betray Jesus. <laughs> That's, it just spiraled, right? Because it says, 
A dispute also arose among them which of them was considered to be the greatest. And they often have this dispute. There's a lot of infighting sometimes between the disciples and Jesus would quell that, right? And he would uh, he would bring bring them back to how this is about God, right? It's not about um, who's the greatest. Rather, we should be focusing on serving each other and serving God. So he says to them, the kings of the nations lorded over them and those who have authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Then he goes on to say, the one who is greater among you, let him become as younger and the one who is governing as one who serves. So in other words, even if you are put in a position of authority is what Jesus is saying, that doesn't mean you lord it over other people. That doesn't mean you arrogantly boast or treat other people like crap or don't give the justice that people deserve just because you are in that position of authority. Rather, Jesus says, make yourself like a servant, even if you are in that position of authority. That is why pastors are supposed to be the biggest servants in their church. And if you don't have a a serving pastor, that might be a problem. And that's something I have, in fact, talked about before on the podcast, where a pastor needs to be thinking the most about his church, not so much himself. So if you see your pastor um, abusing his authority then that might be a good indication that he is a bad pastor and you might want to get out of that church before um, it collapses, honestly. However, I know that's very difficult to do. In fact, I'm going to talk about that. I have a <laughs> a secret I've been keeping from you guys for a while that I'm not going to tell you guys yet about. However, it does discuss some of this this these issues within the church. So yeah, that's that's the only hint I'm going to give you. But okay, moving forward, Jesus basically says, even if you have a position of authority, such as a pastor, you must become a servant in that role. For one who is greater, or for, I'm sorry, for who is greater, one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Isn't it he who sits at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So Jesus is making his disciples think Right. By asking them that question, like typically you think of the one who is greater as the one who is being served. However, Jesus, who is the greatest person ever, (laughs) he's coming down to earth as the servant. And right after all of this, though, Luke doesn't mention this. Jesus begins washing his disciples feet, right, showing them this servanthood and It's a great segue into that, though Luke doesn't mention any of this. John does. But I'm sure that's possibly how Jesus segued into beginning to wash his disciples' feet by showing that he is, in fact, the servant of all and that he is the greatest. So if a person wants to be great, Jesus argues that they must become a servant. They must humble themselves and put themselves into a servant-like role. Oh, that's so difficult, isn't it? It's so hard to like make yourself yourself a servant. It's hard, it really is. But regardless, we need to trust that Jesus knows what he's talking about and we have to humble ourselves and ask Jesus to help us humble ourselves, basically. So then after this, he talks about how his disciples are going to sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel because his disciples were going to suffer with him. And that's just Jesus showing his mercy because the disciples that night are about to abandon Jesus. But yet Jesus says that 
about them that they are in fact going to sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. You're going to find all the links to my channels and everything in the bio of this podcast episode. So if you have any other questions you want to contact me, or if you just want to check out the website or the YouTube page, go into the description of this podcast episode, check out the links, subscribe and like things. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Until then, happy listening and God bless. Thank you.